0: FM to get started.
1: Hey, you're watching AfterBuzz TV: Legends of Tomorrow After Show. On this episode, we're breaking down season one, episode thirteen, Leviathan. We're gonna be talking about giant robot fights. We're talking about Rory and Kendra doing a little uh, blacksmithing, and then we've got the writer of that episode, Sarah Nicole Jones, right here in studio. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion: AfterBuzz TV. And now. Let the buzz begin! Look at that. Madonna bringing us in here. <laughs> yeah. Daddy issues. Yeah. See how cool Sir Nicole Jones is already getting into the sweet dancing that we always like to do at the opening of the Legends of Tomorrow After Show here on AfterBuzz TV. Hey everybody, I'm one of your hosts, Frank Moran. You can follow me on Twitter at Jackie. We have on the other side of the panel there, we've got Mr. Dave Child. Hi, ah, you can find me at Mr. Dave Child on Twitter and Instagram. And down at the end of the table, we've got Lucretia Lyon.
2: And you can find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N, anywhere on the internet, since there is only one.
1: Now, Lex Michael, who's usually here, is kicking himself, I know, because he had to miss this week and next week. But we've got, we traded up. This is a trade-up situation. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, we have a writer and producer right here. She's worked on shows like Longmire, Forever, and currently is a writer and producer on Legends of Tomorrow. In fact, wrote the very episode we'll be breaking down tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, a big round of applause for Sarah Nicole Jones. Yeah.
3: Hello, everyone. Yes. Very There's happy to be here. two mm. in the
0: studio, so <laughs> a, a round
1: of applause. No.
3: It's rousing. It just feeds my <laughs> yeah. soul. I'm going to keep good. that deep forever.
0: Good, good. So, bef-
1: Oh, there we go. The quiet applause. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Zach. Yes. Thank you, live studio audience. <laughs> they just woke up. <laughs> all right. Now, before we get into this episode specifically, let's just talk a little bit about your involvement with Legends of Tomorrow. That's all right? Yeah. So uh, so how, do, how did you get uh, brought onto the show?
3: Uh, I actually got brought onto the show by the showrunner, Phil Klemmer. And we had previously worked together on the show Forever that was on ABC uh, last season. And Phil is just an amazing guy. He was like a huge mentor to me when I was on that show. And... When Forever was winding down, we weren't really sure, kind of, the fate of it, of, like, if it was going to mm-hmm. come back or not, and you kind of have to go on staffing meetings if you're, you know, a writer, producer, and it's the Couch and Bottled Water Tour, and I had met on a bunch of different shows, and there were two shows vying for me, and literally at zero hour, when the phone was getting picked up to call my manager, I get an incoming call from Phil Klimmer. It's like, hey, buddy,
1: what you doing?
3: <laughs> like, not a whole hell of a lot, Phil. You want to be a producer on my new show? I was like, all right, let's do this. He was like, superheroes, Victor Garber, Wentworth Miller, speak in your language. Keep going, keep going. I'm I'm feeling better about this. And uh, yeah, and it was just kind of of a quick yes from there because I had always loved superheroes. I had read a lot of comics as a kid, but it was kind of something that I always kind of kept in the background. And then it was a nice muscle to flex and, you know, it was completely uncharted territory for everyone involved, like, you know, Berlanti and that whole camp. And they just came in and said, you know, do what you do, and we'll, we'll go from there. So that was kind of... Uh, it, was a, it was a really quick conversation, and that's how I joined the team.
1: That's awesome, because certainly the Berlanti universe kind of started small with Arrow, and then we introduced Flash. We kind of expanded the scope of what the heroes could do in that kind of universe. Yeah. And then uh, then all of a sudden, we jump it up. We've had guest stars occasionally. We see Firestar, uh, Firestorm and Adam introduced. But mm-hmm. finally, to do a series where you're going to take all these heroes and a couple of villains, combine them all together, it, was, I mean, it seems very ambitious in scope. At the beginning, were you guys like... Man, I don't know, can we really tackle this? Is this too much for us to handle?
3: Oh, it's freaking bonkers. Like, we (laughs) still say it. we're, We're 13 episodes in. And even as we've been in the room talking about second season, this was a show that we had no roadmap at all. No other show was doing what we did in terms of, you know, VFX having that many superheroes on one screen, having that many people with powers on screen. Right. And we felt like we owed a lot to the fans of Arrow and Flash because that's where a lot of those characters were established. And to tackle that and also tackle setting up people like Rip Hunter, setting yeah. up people that like the fans who read comic books would love but had never seen on screens before, it it's a massive undertaking, and, you know, to pull off what we did every week, we're we're super proud of it. I mean, we're still kind of continuing, and there's, you know, there's definitely been some moments where we, we've learned from things, and we thankfully have, like, such an amazing fan base, and you guys are, are part of that, that, like, that tells us where we fall short, where we hit the mark, and we respond to that in kind, hopefully, like, with our episodes, so... Yeah. Yeah.
1: well certainly uh, I, I think one people and we've talked about this on the show is that the cast is so huge and filled with so many ta- interesting characters and talented actors but you've got to service all of them and at points you feel like wow we maybe we added too many characters onto the show because that's so many to take care of every single episode
3: yeah uh, there's, there's definitely been a couple times where I'm like I write a scene that, that that's a two page scene and then I remember that eight people have to talk right. and yeah. I have to set up like three or four different storylines <laughs> yeah. I was like alright go back to the drawing board, let's see how we do. And, you know, it's again figuring out the chemistry of the show, and kind of as we're going into second season, we're really excited, because something that we've been toying around with is something that we did early in season one, which was kind of pairing people off, and going off Mm -hmm. on side missions, and making it more about, like, one person's journey, or a pair's journey for the episode. And so we can really dig deep in and, you know, see kind of the transitions that they make, the choices that they make. So that's something that we're we're working towards and that's something that first season really helped us to figure out. But right. very early on we were definitely like, alright, eight dudes and gals on a spaceship <laughs> and they all gotta do something. Yeah and Oh the, my God.
0: And also they're time traveling too, which is something so simple and not very convoluted at all. <laughs> no. So did you work on like did you work on the rules of time travel? Like what what had to happen and how how the time travel in this world works?
3: We kind of did. And okay. there, there have been... Yeah, kind of? No, no, no. no, no, no. We, we had one set in stone rule that we right. tried to adhere to, which is you can never go back to a time that you yourself took part in. So if I am giving this interview right now and something goes terribly wrong, God forbid, (laughs) I can't go back to 20 minutes before this interview and intervene because I already took part in that. So that was our one governing rule kind of going forward. And we have attached other rules in the process and some have worked. Some have not so much worked. But we try always to stick to that one thing and you know, it it is daunting, and when you're all sitting there again on a show that has no roadmap whatsoever, you're you're kind of trying to pull all your rules of time travel that you've always had, be it from Back to the Future, <laughs> be it from Doctor Who. Like we've all thrown in in the writers' room, it's like, Talk, well, on Doctor change. Who. Chime just needs to happen sometimes <laughs> like, do you Wibbly recall wobbly. a certain episode called waters of mars yes. Yes. i think that would work well for us <laughs> yeah. and so we just kind of we kind of go from there and it, it, it's what works best for our characters always like mm-hmm. we say it's just like what showcases the character dynamics and the rules always always kind of come from that cool. but uh that's always been our number one rule
1: I would mention the challenge is, say you're Jeff Johnson, you're writing the Justice League, and you've got seven or eight characters in there. You're, you're the, basically you're dealing maybe with your editor, uh, but otherwise you're pretty much just writing that whole thing without any other other influence. But mm-hmm. when you're sitting in the writers' room and you've got so many other writers too, everybody's got different opinions on how time travel works exactly, mm-hmm. how much of these characters should be focused on, how much the Vandal Savage should be focused on. How easy is it to kind of get a consensus? Has it been this season to kind of like, all right, we got to how much do we got to keep going in the certain direction?
3: Well. We go in in the beginning with with Phil Clemmer and Mark Guggenheim, who are our chief showrunners, and Greg Berlanti um, always comes in kind of with his input too because he's very much involved with you know the superheroes in this canon and he loves it so much. So we usually like to generally agree on where our characters are going to start and where they're going to end. And if we have that in mind, then it's kind of like you have the end of an equation and we just kind of have to figure out how we're going to get there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the camp is divided and when that does happen you (laughs) kind of got to do the like Dad, Bill, (laughs) Mark need you to come in right now and just call in an audible but you know it, right. the great thing about all of our writers is we're all really good friends and we never take anything personal it's just let's present both sides of this both are good and if we go one way you you just got to leave it kind of at the door at that and just say like how do we make it work it, it's playing word tetris is what we always call it word and logic tetris of like we need to end up here Figure out the pieces that are going to fit to get us there. I don't care how it happens, <laughs> right. so long as it does.
1: Well, and certainly the big bad for this this season is Vandal Savage. Right. Mm-hmm. So, how much talk went in? Like, how many episodes we need to focus on uh, Savage specifically? How much are we just going to do? Maybe we'll bring in Kronos the episode or, or the Hunters, mm-hmm. or uh, uh, and balancing that out.
3: Well, we knew that. Like, when you have a character like Vandal Savage, you're an immortal madman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's only so many times you can come (laughs) up against an immortal bad guy and screw up before it gets ridiculous. Right. So, and again, like we saw in this episode of 13 of Leviathan, this was a big episode where we said, okay, what is going to be his Achilles heel? What is the one thing that could bring him down that he never had before? And we said, okay... He has a child and that is going to be his Achilles heel going into that but we also looked at just simply we start with the dynamics of how many episodes do we have Casper Crump for <laughs> like mm-hmm. we have him for okay 16 episodes we got him for 12 all right what do we have to fill kind of in between that and we didn't always want it to just be focused on one thing because it's such a big universe in time travel like we had a time pirates episode we have people that are screwing up the timeline we want a time masters episode and you know coming down the line not to spoil too much that you kind of see in the promos is like the time masters are you know going to factor very heavily kind of mm-hmm. towards the end and so we we kind of filled in the blanks as much as possible And also figured out, like, when we do want Vandal Savage in an episode, how do we want him? Is he going to actually be the big bad, or is he going to be the power behind the big bad? And from the beginning, we said, you know, he was always the one whispering in the ear of dictators and world powers and all of that going forward. So, you know, if we can just have that be the focus, and then he's just kind of moving around in the background, that's part of it. You know, like, 110 was a lot of him doing that, which was our um, Predigaton episode. Right. Yeah.
0: Did you have like uh, landmarks you wanted to hit, as far as time travel goes? Like, have you you had that Wild West episode? Mm-hmm. You have giant robot and tiny robot episodes, <laughs> and you have uh, a Hitler episode yeah. essentially. Like, whether you should go back in time and kill Hitler, were was that a goal to try and find like little tropes of time travel that you can like use?
3: Absolutely. I mean, we have we have a character board of emotional things we need to hit with certain characters at certain times. Like, we want Sarah to go through this at this time. We want, you know, Rory and Snart, you know, when they had the whole episode, is Snart gonna kill him or not? We knew that had to happen, and engineering an episode around that was there. But we also have something called the dream board, which you can write whatever phrase you want on the dream board. And we can find a way to sandwich it into an episode. And it has the most random words you've ever seen in your life. One of them was evil casserole and then oh, in yes. episode 108 which was another one that i co-wrote with uh, courtney norris was the 1950s episode which is our oh, monster wow. episode where vandal shows, <laughs> shows up in the up door having an evil casserole and that was Perfect. actually pitched by one of our writer's assistants matt malla and it was his <laughs> dream and he like busted open the door and he's like let me paint a scene <laughs> for you so and Ray we're I in the it. 50s yeah. Yeah. yeah we're in the 50s and we gotta go to a barbecue, Mm-hmm. and then we see Vandal Savage, and he's there holding a casserole, <laughs> <laughs> and like that was a big giant reveal. And we said, okay, let, let's base something around that. And so you never know like what's gonna pull off the board. And again, like right. tonight's episode, Leviathan, big giant robots, giant rock'em robots? sock'em mm-hmm. robots was on the board, really? and that that phrase was just rock'em sock'em robots. Mm-hmm. And if we could and Ray, and if we could sell people, and if VFX could pull it off, that. That just became like our big set piece at the end that we said, "All right, we need a battle. Rock'em sock'em robots. Let's do it!" Awesome.
1: That was actually one of the coolest things I've seen so far in the series. With that whole
0: battle sequence, was Uh, so cool. I have a question, just because you brought up one hundred and eight, which is the the Hawks, yeah, the Night of the Hawks. Yeah. So you got Joe Dante to direct that. Which which came first? Because it almost feels so tailored for Joe Dante. So did you write it? And then go, we gotta get Joe Dante. Or did you have Joe Dante and said, we gotta write something for Joe Dante?
3: It was a beautiful kismet because originally I was supposed to write that episode to be episode seven, not yeah. eight. And when we saw what episode seven and what episode eight were doing in the grand scheme, right. uh, Greg and Phil said, we're actually gonna switch them. And then we looked at the board and we said, "Oh my God, Joe Dante is <laughs> going to do this episode." Yeah, and the spooky fifties again, 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 like no plans whatsoever. <sighs> it literally fell into place, and that dude on set is a- a- astounding. I mean, it's everything right. you would you would expect from Joe. I mean,
0: gremlins. I mean, he,
3: yeah. I know And you're trying to sit there, and I'm trying to be like the producer who's sitting there just like, yes, looking at your budget, looking at your shot list, you directed
0: my childhood. <laughs> yeah. You ruined my childhood. How do
3: I do this right now? Like, right. every now and then it's just like, can you sign my Gremlins poster? Just, uh-huh. just can you do that? Just, just for me. Yeah. Just, yeah. just right
4: there. <laughs>
3: just, just right there. No, no, no. Great guy. Great guy. And I directed the hell out of that episode. It was so fantastic.
1: Yeah, that's great. Now, one of the, uh, certainly I think you look at a character evolution through the course of the series, and Every going in, certainly uh Snart has been just a fan favorite yes. character. Oh my yeah. question. Oh, oh
0: yes. But oh yes. yes. Uh, I got, we get to mine, I've yes. been dying to know. <laughs> this is
3: awesome.
0: I've been yeah. dying to know. Okay, is go on. Is does he base Snart off Eartha Kit? Is he purposely <laughs> homaging Eartha Kit when he does Snart? Uh I- do you know? <laughs> <laughs> Wentworth. No. This has been my theory from day one.
3: Here's the thing. We're kind of fun. All out. I can say is Wentworth is an extremely smart man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he knows exactly what to say and what to do to get uh. an emotion across. Now, I've never asked him if Eartha Kit was his inspiration. Like... Mm. But if you're getting Eartha kit, I can guarantee you <laughs> Wentworth meant you too.
0: It's in there somewhere. It's oh, definitely right. in okay. there. And
3: I mean, in the 50s episode, because we brought it up, I, yeah. I instantly wanted him to be an FBI kind of gumshoe character mm-hmm. because when I first saw him play Captain Cold on Flash, before I was even a part of Legends, I was like, he just reminded me of, like, an old-school, like, Cagney. Right. Mm. Just kind of like, hey, Shane, we're gonna go oh, over here. Gotta I thought you, to you were gonna say yeah.
0: old-school cat. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes. Or
3: old-school, yeah. like, the first Catwoman ever. Yeah. The kids? <laughs> he feels like he's a cat
0: the entire time. He's know. just, like, slinking around. It's so,
3: it's uh, great. It's <laughs> mesmerizing to watch. Yeah. Like, even when you're on set, you're just like, you just... Uh,
0: Just
3: more of that. I have no notes. He shines in this episode. This is like he shines in every episode. Like I'm showing a little. Like I love all of our cast, but just Captain Cold has always been my favorite since I was a kid. It
0: was good to give him some meat though in this one because he's good to just say a line and steal the scene. But in this one, he had, like, scenes. Yeah, he we had... had
2: more snarts. Yeah. We were, and that's <laughs> what we've been asking for. And yeah. I'm guessing well, that's how they got you on the show anyway. You said they had you at Wentworth Miller. Uh, they had me. They intrigued me at yeah. Victor Garver,
3: <laughs> but you had my attention at Wentworth Miller. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, it, working with him has, has been fantastic. And just so much of himself that he puts into it, how much he thinks about every line that he says. Nothing is a throwaway. He's, just, he's so great to be on set with. And... I will say, again, not giving away too much, but be prepared for the next three episodes because they are going to be a whole lot of snarts.
0: Yes. Oh, very <laughs> nice. We're getting
1: snarty. Yes. yes. So, Because uh, I certainly feel like snart was a fan favorite just going into it. I yeah. mean, he was so great on The Flash. and But, but you bring along Heat Wave, uh, McRory as well. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, he's a partner in crime, but hadn't as much of a character development. He's just kind of like the, the meathead. But I would think if you look at the course of the season so far, he's had the biggest character change. And yet the challenges of the show... Or that you can't, where he talks about that change, we have to show off, you have to talk about it. You can't show it, you have to talk about it, because you have to deal with so many characters. Yeah. Was that kind of frustrating to have? You want to make this change in this character, but you're kind of hamstrung by the conceit of the show, that you can't delve into, you can't devote a whole episode to McRory's transformation.
3: Yeah, and that is, that is a big thing. Again, like as I was saying, when we're figuring out the show and seeing what people respond to... And people want to know more about Rory and that change. And people want to know more about, like, Sarah and how she's reacting to things. That's something that we're really taking to heart season two about having people having these uh, individual journeys and really kind of going into it. But especially with the Kronos thing, because it was such a big shift, we we've always strived in, like, this episode and episodes going forward to just give him a little bit more of a tinge of just patience and understanding because heatwave was always the hothead Mm -hmm. and you know he flies off the handle a lot of times but since becoming chronos he spent lifetimes at the vanishing point so he has a huge grasp of understanding of time travel he has a huge grasp of just how people are going to react to certain situations he still is who he's always going to be at his heart with the team but especially in the in the episodes you're going to see in in the next three weeks, we have definitely shaded him to be a much more you know mature and you know patient person, and that's something I think we're we're going to bring to the forefront in season two. He's still always going to be McRory. He's still <laughs> going to be always the wisecracker. He's going to be that person at his heart because that's what the Time Masters couldn't take away from him because if they had extracted that then he he wouldn't be who he was and he wouldn't be able to come back from being Kronos so we, we like to always dance that line with him of like one half is Kronos one half is the heat wave that we've always loved so
1: and I feel like one other relationship I just want to touch on before we get talking about it this mm-hmm. episode is the, the Kendra Ray relationship, and certainly it's been very oh, divisive. Boy. We talk about yeah. it here as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we uh, talk about it. Uh, a lot. Yes, I'm sure. It's <laughs> on Twitter, and people are very divisive Man, do we? It. Yes. We love it. Uh, <laughs> totally. Oh, I totally part of buy show. it.
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> I, and, and I, I feel great about
1: it. <laughs> and how challenging it is for you because you have set it up so much that uh, Kendra and Carter are kind of you know destined to be soulmates forever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and it seems like at every episode you're both trying to build them up and also tear them down constantly. And it seems like yeah. such a challenge to be able to have, I feel like audiences have a tough time investing in the Ray-Kendra relationship, knowing that, well, why should we? Because you keep constantly telling us that it's doomed to fail.
3: Yeah, it, it, it's interesting kind of the line we've danced with the two of them because originally we we wanted it to feel kind of like a, a doomed romance. Right. but. The thing about Ray Palmer, mm-hmm. always to remember, is he is the unflinching optimist. Yeah. Even if you say, don't go down yeah. that dark alleyway, you're going to die, Ray's like, I brought a flashlight. Yeah. And <laughs> things are going to be okay. And, you know, audiences have really responded to that in the past, and, you know, people who are fans of Ray Palmer have been cheering them on, you know, every step of the way, and we've always kind of liked to tease that Carter's mm-hmm. always in the background. Sometimes that tease has come off as a sledgehammer, I think. Right. So, <laughs> you know, going forward, we're we definitely learned from that, <laughs> but uh, and and it's no and it's no reflection on kind of the team and how they've played it because I think you know Sierra and Brandon have an amazing chemistry together. Mm-hmm. They work really well together. But it's also we're battling a mythology too yeah. of how do you stay true to the mythology of the Hawks mm-hmm. and how they've always stayed together and also right. keep you know Ray Palmer into that mix. Which you know I love Brandon and I love. Ray as a character sometimes I feel like he's doomed to be in the friend zone yeah. Yeah. and and I'm just like I just need to give that guy a win I just like <laughs> yeah, he please. keeps. I
0: feel so bad for him too yeah. because he keeps he keeps trying to get with the girl who's destined for someone else and it's just dude yeah, like
3: your Felicity fiance dies yeah. Felicity yeah. leaves you I'm just like one day Ray's just gonna nail it and he's gonna be the
2: one like is this real? Is
3: this <laughs> happening? Like, is this she likes me.
2: No one's going to take her away, right? We're right. getting married and we love one another. See, and I think that's the reason I don't like the Ray and Kendra relationship mm-hmm. is because I love Ray. Like, his eternal optimism. I mean, he's so much like Brandon's other show, Chuck. Mm-hmm. Like, he's very much the Chuck character. So you're, like, rooting for him to get the girl. But, like, with Kendra, it's like, you know that's not going to happen. So yeah. it's like, they're doomed. And I'm like, I don't the want right Ray to be hurt. I, yeah, and
3: yeah. I, I will say at the end, I think Ray is going to learn something from this relationship whether he ends up with Kendra or whether he doesn't I will (laughs) not say either way Mm -hmm. but you know I think he he is going to learn a, a lot from this also about himself which you know we, we do in all our relationships. I mean, he did oh. just
0: learn how to grow to 200 feet, so. You know? Yeah. You know?
2: That's gotta, the more you, the that's more gotta you help. know. That's got to help. That helps with the ladies. It helps with the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Hey,
0: ladies, I can grow to 200 feet.
2: I don't shrink anymore. <laughs> I grow.
0: Yeah. So uh, speaking of,
1: uh, we're talking about Ray growing. We're talking about this episode of <laughs> Leviathan. How long did you have Ray turning into a giant-sized version of himself? How long was that just sitting in your back pocket, or is that just something that popped up, like, for this episode, it was just like, oh, yeah, that's what he should do? Right.
3: About a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we were we were kind of just breaking the episode and you know figuring out what we wanted that big set piece to be. We knew we wanted Savage to have an ultimate weapon, and we weren't sure what that ultimate weapon was going to be. We just knew that it wanted to like level towns and what was something we hadn't seen before. And what was an escalation from weapons we had seen in the future. In in episode 10, we saw mm-hmm. that Ray's Adam Suit was being used as, you know, kind of a militant police force. And we're like, "Okay, well now let's go 20 years in the future. What would Savage have done with that technology?" And then you slowly all turn to the mm-hmm. giant idea board <laughs> and you see rock 'em, sock 'em robots. Ooh. Right. And then we go, okay, could Ray grow? Because he can shrink. Like, could that work? Right. And then you go to Greg Berlanti, and that's one of those <laughs> Greg, <laughs> sit down. I've got mm-hmm. a pitch for you. Ray can shrink. Mm-hmm. And then Greg said yes, and we we got again. Yeah. So I'd I like to say that like yes, we always had that plan. This was a big thought for the season. No,
0: it was like a day. Do you have trouble now that you've introduced the idea that he can grow to giant size and stomp on people? Is that going to be something like? Do we make him grow again? No, we we can't do that. But but he can grow again. Is that something you now have to face? That having like that power now?
3: It's something we have to face with all our characters in all honesty because I mean in the second episode of the season we saw Firestorm take a nuclear weapon Right.
4: Blow Mm
3: -hmm. it up and then absorb the energy and Mm -hmm. after you see someone with powers like that you know Jackson Stein getting Mm -hmm. like hit by a bad guy in a fight really doesn't have the same resonance you absorbed a nuke dude (laughs) you know like step up your game so going forward we always like to say to ourselves like how can we take their powers to the next level but also like what is the give and take what makes them more vulnerable does growing take something away from Ray Mm -hmm. you know we we always like to do that dance so I mean going forward we will say okay Ray has the ability to grow he has the ability to shrink is there another ability he has? Is there something that he will lose as a person if he does both of these things? Like right. that's questions we ask about, about everything, but uh, you know, we'll we'll figure it out. <laughs> one one
0: question I have with this episode just because I thought when Rory suggested uh, cutting off the fingers mm-hmm. and then sending them to Vandal Savage. I
4: like I that I thought
0: idea. to myself, yeah, they could do that because they could just grow a hand back. <laughs> yeah, that's but, true. <laughs> they
3: just... We cut off her head, but we didn't mean it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's okay. We grew it back, Not so I it's think. fine. That's I'm just wondering if it made it onto the board. It was like, could we
3: actually yeah. cut off the hand? Cut off the hand? I'm, do that for people we like oh, okay. and at that
2: point we didn't like Fair her
3: right. know, but
2: we very much like her now
3: <laughs> could, yeah. could
2: you guys put Malcolm's hand back You know, from the Arrowverse, over Malcolm Merlin I mean he did have Vandal's ashes well so he doesn't he have
0: they up. don't have the DNA of his on the ship yeah. I think that's yeah.
3: You, you have to on. have a DNA profile Violet in order to do it. I love that we yeah. make up fake science yeah. like yeah. all the yeah. time yeah. in That's the right. room. In like, That's
0: what you need to do. The so.
3: best part is when you start pitching yeah. fake science to people, and you're like, okay, so they're going to be traveling through time using tectahedron particles, and you'll just see Mark and Phil go, wait, 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 that part didn't make sense. None of it will make <laughs> yeah. sense. It's time it's travel. Don't fake. think about
0: it too
1: hard. It's like, I'm <laughs>
3: pitching you my fake rules. Right. Yeah. And and just as
1: you, Brinson, uh, mentioned, the, uh, it's one thing to to write this episode and have this great fight between Ray and Leviathan, but then you've got to... It's not like we're doing one of the big fight scenes where everybody's involved and they're just doing hand-to-hand combat. This one is really heavily uh, in the VFX department. Yes. How, how much have you learned in terms of working with the VFX department about, like, what's achievable on this sort of scale and this kind of budget in a 16-episode series?
3: Uh, A lot. Because, I mean, just in my experience as a producer and a writer, you know, I dealt with some VFX, but it's like a smoke cloud in the distance, and Mm -hmm. it's like, that costs $500. We have entire meetings that are dedicated purely to VFX, where we just go through the script, and it just starts off with how much money we have to spend What's it going to look like? What are the scenes it's going to feature most prominently? And how much bang we can get out of our buck in that moment? And luckily we work with an amazing crew at at Encore VFX. You know, uh, our guys especially in this episode... I'm just saying, submit it for an Emmy, because that giant robot was astounding. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I yeah. didn't even know if it could be pulled out. Like, half the time when I when I write the script, we we do the pie-in-the-sky script, which is, show the robot as much as possible, have this many fights, this many laser blasts, and then I turn it in, and then we have the meeting of what can actually <laughs> be pulled off. Right. And uh, they exceeded my expectations beyond all bounds. And, you know, you you do get into the nitty-gritty of... How much money it costs every time some like hot girl's wings come out. It's like right. there's twelve grand on screen, everybody. Soak it up. How so
4: that's
3: many
2: that's what twelve grand looks like. <laughs>
3: that's what yeah. twelve grand. How many laser blasts does Rip Gip? We only mm-hmm. get six. Arthur, do not fire your gun mm-hmm. more than six times, please. <laughs> you know you you get down to to the brass tacks of it but uh, you know it all usually comes out okay in the end
1: so is this a question like in this episode where you're like oh we want to have this great robot fight it's going to be VFX heavy that's a lot of money for that scene Mm -hmm. so uh, we're going to have to sideline Firestorm We can't, because we can't have him merge. So, we're going to injure Stein so that he's kind of out of pocket. So, Jax is just helping Ray, but they're not going to merge Firestorm because that's just, we can't afford to show him in this particular episode.
3: Uh, most of the time, we like to let the story talk for it. Like, we knew okay, we wanted right. to tell the story of, you know, like what happens to Jax and Stein, you know, when Stein is injured and, you know, have the team having to take up the mantle of protecting the refugees. That it always comes from what their characters want, not necessarily how much money we have to spend. Cause there have been times where yes, we've had everybody involved in a firefight and mm-hmm. then someone say, We only have so much money. So can firestorm flame on and then we just don't see them for the rest of the fight. Yeah. Like we, we've had had those moments. We've had had moments of like, okay, Snark can only fire his gun twice, so let's only feature him this much. And you know, we talked to stunts about it, but it usually kind of all comes from character.
0: Well, that's it's also why uh, it was a good move in last the last episode where they all froze into action figure poses because <laughs> that was yeah. just perfect because you got to see everyone's kind of power, but they didn't have to move. Oh, so that was must really have been expensive. It was really expensive (laughs) to just do that freezing thing? Yeah, because you had the 360.
3: 360, coats are flying up, people are frozen in motion, and you have to see, like, fireballs. Yeah, that was a really expensive shot. (laughs) It was worth it. (laughs) It was. It It was was good. It was Matt Mala's episode. He did fantastic. So, uh, you know, you're welcome, Matt.
0: (laughs) And it was interesting, we're
1: talking about Firestorm briefly. Certainly, Martin Stein... uh, I mean, since he had already been introduced on The Flash, and Jax a little bit mm-hmm. to set everything up. But certainly, I mean, you're Victor Garber as well, too, so you were already bringing a lot just along with you, just being Victor Garber. But felt like Martin Stein was a little bit more focused on, a little bit more developed than Jax was, until uh, until the last episode where he got a chance to maybe change his father's future, which we don't mm-hmm. know if he's done yet or not. But it was nice to see Jax get a little bit of character development. So mm-hmm. in terms of that, how has it been struggling? Like, oh, well, you know, we really haven't really focused on Jax a lot. We still got to make sure we... Kind of change, uh, you know, have his character do some kind of journey through the course of the season.
3: Yeah, and we've spent a lot of time figuring out just what the dynamic is going to be between the two because uh, uh, obviously there there was another half of Firestorm. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert for those yeah. who haven't yeah. seen Flash but season cute one. one. Yeah. <laughs> it's <a cute> one. <laughs> Robbie Mel yes. and, and the
0: evil one in Earth yeah. 2.
3: Yeah, get ready. It's evil coming. Sexy. It's coming. Um, so we have tried to spend more time just exploring their dynamic, which uh, another episode that I wrote, which was episode four, which was White Knights, mm-hmm. was kind of a big episode to talk about what their dynamic is as partners, as a father-son relationship. You know, Jackson Stein that that classic fight of, I'm the body, you're the mind, but if I take the hit, I die, and my mom won't get to see her son come home. And it was a great scene, and both the actors, just Franz and Victor, nailed it completely of how they feel about one another. And Victor was just the protective father in the moment, and Franz was, you know, the son who was lashing out at his dad, but you know, when Stein is taken at the end, he realizes how much he needs to step up, and how much that he just wants to protect him, and how much he values having that voice in his head, and 105, which was written by Granny Godfrey and Beth Schwartz, that was one where, you know, he goes into the gulag, he gets Stein back, he pulls him out of Valentina Vostok, because he says, like, we're actually Firestorm, and I think that was, that was kind of the episode where we define like, this is going to be the new Firestorm, this is the kid who can pull Stein out of anything, and you know, I think I think we we've done well about establishing. We still have you know a far way to go in exploring who the characters are, but uh, we we've been trying to to make him just a very definitive new character in the canon. And you know, Franz is. Franz is doing great with it, and he is a huge comic book fan, so he <laughs> he knows like where to go with it. Other influences brought into it. He always has great ideas, yeah. so we're we're really happy with him.
0: Yeah, I had a question about dealing with the whole canon that you guys have created, uh, expanding from the Arrowverse and the Flashverse and all that stuff. Um, I we're getting a lot of questions mm-hmm. on the live chat asking, you know, how is Sarah going to learn about? Laura's death Mm -hmm. we've spoiled it in previous episodes yeah so like she did is that going to is that stuff that happens in the other universe is that going to kind of filter into this one because we're jumping around time so Mm -hmm. you could avoid it but are you going to
3: There are some tiny things in the different canons that are going on in the Flash world Uh and in the Arrow world that will not hit our people. But something as huge (laughs) as Laurel's death, like there is no other person more important to Sarah aside from her father and Oliver than her sister. This is the person who brought her back from the dead. So something as big as that. Let's just say I have a feeling <laughs> it's going to okay. come back towards our team. So something that big will definitely have ripple effects of, you know, how it affects the character, how it affects our journey. Um, but, but smaller things, we don't usually pay as much credence to.
0: Right. Uh, also a question about Carter, bringing back Carter. Mm-hmm. And you guys knew you were going to bring back Carter at some point. Was there discussions about how you were going to bring him back or are there different versions and this is the one you settled on or was this was he always going to come back at this moment?
3: We knew he was going to come back at some point. Um, um, the fact that they can reincarnate again, that's a tool in our toolbox that yeah. we can always kind of call upon when we need it and when it was appropriate because other times we thought like, okay, is this the moment that Carter comes back? And, you know, going into the ray Kendra relationship, are they at a crossroads where this would Become a little bit of a problem if your old boyfriend comes back when there's a ring on the finger and what that means for our team, what that means for them as a couple. So we thought it was a very opportune moment in that instance, and also we, as we were drawing closer to the finale, we're just like, all right, like when are we going to need to have both hawks back? Because we had always had the intention that we wanted the whole gang back together, kind yeah. of towards as we were getting towards the end. Um, but we decided to pull the trigger, kind of, kind of at this point, because we were we were getting towards a couple episodes where it would have been useful to have a uh, two winged demigods on board.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's always good to
3: get yeah. two yeah.
0: winged demigods.
3: One's just not enough. Yeah. One's mm-hmm. just not enough. You need to. So. <laughs>
1: And for you, by writing this episode and writing the subsequent, the earlier episodes, which characters just kind of easy for you to dial into? I mean, you certainly have praised Wentworth Miller. So is mm-hmm. it snart when you're writing a snart scene? Is that just like the easiest one? It just flies off the fingertips? Or are the characters like, ah, i got to do a little bit of work to be able to get into that character's head?
3: Usually, and I co-wrote this episode with uh, Ray Uturnichet, who is the sweetest, most awesome guy who he knows when it comes to villains, I love them. Like, (laughs) if anyone has moral ambiguity, whether it's Rip, whether it's Snart, (laughs) Heatwave, Sarah, because she's got a tinge of the assassin, Vandal Savage, and also, this was one of the episodes where I was fist pumping when I left the room, because from day one I was like, Vandal Savage has a daughter. Mm -hmm. Just, Just saying, guys. Vandal Savage yeah. is a daughter. And, oh, <laughs> who said that? Do, do we need to make her a character? And uh, the, so those are the ones. Like I naturally always gravitate towards the villains, but uh, and also I think like Rip has been an easier one for me to write because he's a little skewed. Anyone that's gray, I don't know whether it says mm-hmm. too much about me that if someone is wholly good, <laughs> that I'm just like, well, crap. How do I write Ray this week? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, you're just good, and you're nice, and you believe in humanity. He's a freak. <laughs> I, know, I know That's, that's when I'm like Ray, buddy. No yeah. coincidence, Ray. You turn shit and Ray the character. Okay. Or I'm like Ray. What would you do in this situation? Because I know what I would do, yeah. and I know what Snart would do. Take the money mm. and run. <laughs> <laughs> so those are a little harder to dial into, but definitely like. Wentworth comes out very easily, Rip, Vandal, all, all those ones are pretty quick, you know.
1: Now, you're saying you are mentioning the writer's that uh, Savage has a daughter. And certainly in the comic book uh, universe, he's mentioned that he's had many descendants throughout the years. Yeah. Most Probably the most famous one, though, is probably Scandal Savage from The Secret Six. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, was this, a, I mean, you heard in, in this series, that her name's Cassandra, here mm-hmm, in the episode. Mm-hmm. Was there any, say, like, oh, should we just call her Scandal and a direct nod to that? Or was it like, no, we're not going to do that, that much of a touch to the... Exact touchpoint point.
3: Uh, Because there was a lot of debate going back and forth. Because Vandal Savage in the comic books, he has two daughters. One of them Scandal Savage and one of them Cassandra, which appears uh, much later on. And she's a... She's a mortal FBI investigator, and originally we wanted to paint her as Scandal Savage, the one that that we see and that goes on to kind of have her own canon, but because in this episode she does kind of a 360 and turns good, we thought that that was betraying the character of Scandal Savage, and that is something that you, you really want to save, like, you know, for... For whatever kind of comes down the line, but we said, can we take the best of Scandal Savage and the best of Cassandra and kind of mold it into this one person and and go our own road with it? And DC was was very generous in saying, yes, please do so. So we were able to kind of form our form our own character. And Jessica Sipos, who played her, I think, knocked it out of the park. Did things with it, added added nuances to it that that really kind of made it sing. So we were lucky in that respect. But. Right.
1: Uh, just one quick question about the DC canon there. Certainly Ray Palmer, uh, mm-hmm. I love the character, but he's always, been, he's never had like an Iron Man power suit, uh, but, right. at least in the comics. So how, is that something that's brought up in the realm? It's like, oh, why, why does Ray have the power suit? Why doesn't he just be the Adam and just be cool and he just shrinks and he travels through phone lines and he does all this cool stuff and he just shrinks a lot. Or it's like, oh, no, the power suit is great. It really adds an extra dimension or something for him to be more active in scenes, in f- fights, things like that
3: we, I mean, we we try and stick with the comic books and pull inspiration where it comes, and, like, we literally open up comic books, threw them down, and, like, that cell right there. That's a scene <laughs> from our show. Right. Let's do that. So we pick and choose what we think is best, kind of in the moment and in the time, but uh, we do veer away from it, and a lot of times... It, Again, we love to give service to the comic books and we love to give service to our fans who adore them, but we are still trying to like form Ray Palmer into a character that's very independent and is just of the Legends of Tomorrow mm-hmm. universe. So hopefully, you know, in the season and the next seasons going forward, we'll just kind of add to that mythology. It's kind of like when any character is reinvented, you know, the the Batman of the classic comics and Batman Begins, two very different things. So we're just kind of trying to continue the evolution as best we can, and that's usually our governing principle going forward. Yeah,
0: and it seems like you pay it off, at least, with that little wrinkle of making it a suit, because now we have robots that are based off of the suits Mm -hmm. and are now evil Mm -hmm. and giant and always have the Adam symbol on it, which is yeah. gotta be like—it's <laughs> like a big oh. Fu from Vandal Savage. Yeah, like, yeah Ray, just yeah. Take that. like couldn't you just take the atom off? <laughs> Come lose.
2: on, man.
0: Oh, man <laughs> are there any more
1: questions right there in the in the chat? Uh, um, we, yeah, we
2: have a few really good ones here. A lot of people are wondering about Patrick J. Adams' character. I mean, it's been a big spoiler that he is coming to the show. Can you give any hints? I know.
0: Yeah, we got a lot yeah. of hints about future characters. Yes.
3: And- uh. There's a lot of people, my own friends included, Mm. my brother included, that, like, text me and are just like, is it this person? they'll, (laughs) They'll just name superheroes, like, up the top of their heads, and I'm just like, not gonna answer either way. But I will say, he's someone that you're going to see literally in the last minute Uh, and so you you kind of have to stick around he is a man who is going to come in in the last moment kind of of our finale so Mm. you will definitely know by the end of this season who he is Mm -hmm. so but uh, and he is someone that is definitely going to play a very large part in what we do in season two kind of the missions that we're going to go on so you will you will have a very good idea going for and he's he's definitely a guy who has insight that our team does not by the Mm -hmm. end so
1: well dealing with that it's certainly when the series was first announced the idea was that it was going to be kind of an anthology series so Mm -hmm. like each season would be kind of different maybe with different characters so certainly without spoiling anything Uh, You've already been kind of talking about second season and allusion to some of the characters. So is it pretty much safe to say that some of these characters from this season are going to be also featured heavily in the next season as well?
2: Yes. Okay. Cool. And I have a two-part question, and this one's just for me, and I'm going to say his name. But I have a fetish for brown coat wearing dudes. So two (laughs) things. Is John Constantine ever going to be a part of this? And could Nathan Fillion play Booster Gold? Okay.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Let's just address some situations yeah. here. All right. Um, yeah. To get Constantine, yeah. we had to pull in some calls. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying we'll never see mm-hmm. him again. I'm just saying we flexed a lot of muscle to get him on air, oh, right. and but he was a fan favorite, I will say. And the more people talk about, it, the more people want to see something like that, then absolutely we try and deliver what people want. as mm-hmm. for as for Mr. Booster Gold, mm-hmm.
4: uh-huh.
3: DC has some plans for Booster Gold oh,
2: right. With Nathan, I hope. And <laughs> I i don't know no. if they
3: have spoken to Nathan. No. We met at Comic-Con, no. had a rousing <laughs> game of ping pong. I feel like we're friends. All right, now
0: you're just bragging.
3: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Name drop. No. Um, but uh, I will say, they have big plans for Booster Gold that might extend beyond our television show. So if you do not see him on this show, you will see him at some point and Hopefully, Mr. Fillion will play him because, you know, who doesn't play anything Fillion? And that's awesome. I'll offer you guys, just
2: like I offered Joe Henderson earlier. I can provide some Constantine fanfic if you need writing. Right. Mm. <laughs> yeah. said to him earlier, you need Constantine. I
3: guess. Right. You know, if there is a slow day in yeah. I, I will bring up slash fic. And, like, yeah. Yeah. Everyone yeah. has to take a role. Yeah. <laughs> Who does the best Captain Cold? Because mine is yeah. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> I got a question about the future season. Mm-hmm. Are we going to stay, since it's going to be a little different, mm-hmm. are we going to stay in the same world of time travel, or is it going to become something else
3: I will say the world is going to probably become a lot bigger
2: oh, oh boy oh, and then I, oh
1: I got some ideas about who this Patrick J. Adams <laughs> yeah. is then wow. absolutely with that alright so I, we got to get ready to wrap up this episode so we're going to do ultra super fast predictions your after buzz TV predictions oh. the Carisha. super fast prediction
2: well, I predict that Patrick J. Adams is going to be a part of the Legion of Superheroes maybe. That oh. they keep throwing out
0: there. Okay. Yeah, That's what I was going to say. Yeah. And maybe we might be going to space
1: more. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> how it's bigger. Yeah,
0: I'm thinking Adam Strange. That's who I'm going to throw that's out. A for. That's yes. a good one. That's a good one. Yes.
1: So, uh, look at that. That's what we're going to think about doing. Uh, before okay. we we got a couple minutes here to wrap up. Oh, we got a tiny bit more time. Look at that because everybody loves Sir Nicole Jones. Oh, no. We're getting a little extension. We got a couple extra minutes. Ooh. Quick guide, we have a fan question right there. Let's, Let's see. see. Oh, we
0: got a question about oh. it. we are going to see a flash crossover at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Or is yeah. it not a definite? Is it a maybe? Because we've been hearing about maybe having an older Barry at some point. It, oh, she cannot not, no. they're they're no right. can I I confirm
3: nor <laughs> deny anything. Uh, all I can say is. Grant Gustin is a very, very busy man. That's right. And so is Stephen Amell. We definitely try and have as much crossover in all the Berlanti universes as possible because everyone loves seeing that. It often comes down to just time on all of these shows, how much the actors have... There's a lot of moving parts that do that. We definitely have crossovers planned in the future, and we're going to okay. try and deliver them as much as we can. But you know, if it doesn't come immediately, don't think that it's never going to happen. No. Okay. Okay. Well, I okay.
1: okay. Uh, and okay. I, so I guess we have one last question, just for you personally, Sarah. Uh, just during the course of doing this season one of Legends mm-hmm. of Tomorrow, how what have, what have you learned in terms of doing the show? How have, you know what, what's worked for you? What's changed in your opinions of doing the show? And something that's such so big in scope and so many characters?
3: Wow. Um, it, it's definitely taught me that there are no bad ideas <laughs> and that it, we definitely just listen to everybody involved because when you have a huge ensemble, um, our actors are so fantastic and they bring so much to their roles and they're there in the trenches, same as our crew, and they usually have great stuff to bring on board and to take back to the room so that's been kind of the biggest thing going forward is that no one is the ultimate authority on everything like there have been like fans that have put forward ideas there have been other writers you know actors crew members everyone to listen to and that's the greatest thing about working on a superhero show because it speaks to so many people and a lot of people have great ideas and it kind of forms them all together so it just that sense of community has been like the biggest thing to learn
1: so everybody both in front and behind the camera are Mm -hmm. a real legend of tomorrow. Mm.
4: <laughs> that's great everybody. Oh, no. Holy yeah. cow! Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs>
1: on that. That's right, folks. That's going to do it for this episode of Legends of Tomorrow After Show. But if you want to continue the conversation, like us on Facebook, give us those sweet five stars on awesome. iTunes. Follow us on Twitter. Continue the conversation on there, Lucretia. If they want to continue the conversation, where can they find you?
2: You can find me at L A C R E T I A L Y O N anywhere online.
0: You find me at Mr. Dave Child. <laughs> look at that, uh, Sarah. Simple.
2: S N J O N E
3: S Y three at Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else.
1: And you can follow me at Happy Go Jackie. Thanks so much for watching, folks. We'll see you next week with another episode of Legends of Tomorrow here on AfterBuzz TV.